Chapter Fifteen of the Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong, the Factory Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. Chapter Fifteen, a tete-a-tete -tete walk, lively if not instructive conversation, the rich visiting the poor, misplaced confidence, innocent sin. The fashionable and luxurious Sir Matthew Dowling was not usually an early riser, but on the morning of the day which followed Martha's visit to Hoxley Lane he almost outdid the lark his attorney having been sent for from ashley with all speed within an hour after he had received his daughter's report all things regarding the procuring indentures had been made easy and he found himself when he waked in the morning in every sense ready for action great and very awful is the power of wealth in a bad man's hands for scarcely is there any barrier which the law can raise for the protection of those who have it not sufficiently strong to save them at all times and seasons from the aggressions of those who have it how mr canterbury the attorney of sir matthew dowling contrived to get his part of the business executed so speedily it would be difficult to say but certain it is that considerably before the night's usual hour of breakfast on the following morning this active friend and agent arrived at the lodge with documents which only wanted the signature of the parties concerned to render them of sufficient power to bind little michael during the next eleven years of his life as apprentice to mr elgood sharpton for the purpose of learning the business of a stocking-weaver the name of deep valley by which mr elgood sharpton's factory was universally known was not mentioned but instead of this he was described as elgood sharpton esq of thistledown house derbyshire a designation most satisfactorily proving his honourable station and of course his high respectability sir matthew perused the document smiled nodded his approval replaced the red tape with which it had been tied and lodged it in his coat-pocket saying kindly to the judicious attorney as he did so canterbury we must get you made coroner at the next vacancy or if we miss that something or other else that may suit you my good fellow you deserve to be taken care of and you shall mr canterbury expressed his gratitude and departed whereupon martha was again summoned to the presence of her father what a capital good girl you are martha said the knight affectionately patting her cheek always up and about before any of the rest are out of their beds i tell you what martha you and i will have our breakfast comfortably together without waiting for any of them and then i will walk down with you myself to see michael's mother and settle with her about the little fellow's destination proud and happy was martha made by this invitation and gaily did she sally forth when the cheerful meal was ended for the rare pleasure of a tete-a-tete -tete walk with the great man nothing could exceed sir matthew's good humour he chatted and joked and talked of taking them all on a trip to paris and in short was hardly silent for a single moment but amidst all this communicative confidential gossip he never said a word more concerning the business they were upon once or twice martha began to say something intended to preface an inquiry as to the local destination of michael but some lively sally from her father always turned the conversation into another channel till at length they entered the gloomy region of hoxley lane after which neither of them spoke again until martha said this is the house papa but i believe we had better go in the back way shall i step in first and say that you are coming no no my dear there is no occasion to be so ceremonious we will go in together martha then lifted the latch and they did go in together causing the sick woman to start as if she had seen a spectre it was nearly three years since mrs armstrong had last found herself in the overpowering presence of sir matthew dowling 
and the belief that this visit was for the express purpose of receiving her thanks increased the embarrassment so startling a condescension was calculated to produce martha saw her colour change from pale to red and then to pale again and gently approaching her said mrs armstrong my father sir matthew dowling is come himself to talk with you about little michael it is very condescending miss murmured the poor woman and i am very grateful for this and all favours very good very good said the knight in return not however looking very steadily in her face this young lady who i suppose you know is miss martha dowling my daughter paid you a visit yesterday i believe and spoke to you did she not about your little boy yes sir was the concise reply and you approved she tells me of his being put to a good trade in course sir i can't but approve and be thankful for his being put in the way to help himself and his poor crippled brother too when i am gone but i hope no offence sir i'd be right glad to know your honour's pleasure as to the place where he is to be and that is a little more than i can tell you my good woman replied sir matthew in a friendly familiar tone i can tell you where his master that is to be lives that he continued drawing the indentures out of his pocket that we shall find written down here but he is one of the first in his line and a capital trade it is i promise you so that he has got workshops i believe in half a dozen places however i'll make it my business to learn whereabouts michael is to be and let you know as he said this sir matthew opened the instrument and busied himself in unscrewing the top of his neat little portable ink-bottle then if it is all the same to you sir replied the widow armstrong in rather an unsteady voice i should like well to know where it would be before i put my hand to the binding him martha looked up more than half afraid that such cautious acceptance of the important service offered might offend her hot-tempered father but equally to her surprise and satisfaction she perceived that his countenance instead of expressing anything of the kind wore a look of more than usual good humour as he replied beginning at the same time to replace the red tape round the papers that shall be just as it pleases you my good woman we won't say anything more about it just yet then turning to martha he said in a sort of half whisper i can't stay now martha we must go dear because i expect to find someone waiting for me at home but we must not deceive the poor dear woman either she ought to know martha that this is a chance i may not have again god knows when if ever can't you explain to her my dear that this is a sort of thing that by no means happens every day some time ago i had an opportunity of doing this gentleman a good turn about one of his principal hands for whom he was greatly interested for he is like a father to them all and he promised then to return it whenever i had anything of the same sort at heart so now i have written to him about this boy and he has answered me as kind as possible only he tells me that he has got such quantities of applications from the people round him that when he has a vacancy among the bound hands he can't keep it open and that he must have yes or no at once i am afraid therefore that we must give it up my dear this was soft solder as the inimitable slick calls it and the poor doubting trembling helpless bit of human nature lying on the bed from whence she knew full well she should never rise did not listen to it unmoved she felt as he intended she should her heavy responsibility and looked up into the face of martha in a manner that very speakingly asked for counsel the good girl understood the appeal and frankly answered it you hear what my father says mrs armstrong said she leaning over the poor invalid yes miss i do replied the anxious woman and god help me i 
feel as weak and ignorant as a baby about what I ought to say in return. I don't know how that can be, said the innocent Martha a little reproachfully. You know exactly how the case stands, and must certainly be able to judge what you think it right to do under these circumstances. I hope, excuse, miss, if I seem over-mothersome and foolish about him, replied the poor widow in a deprecating tone, but he's a precious boy to me, and the binding him comes upon me unawares-like. Well, then, there's nothing more to be said, I think, said Martha, withdrawing herself from the bed. It seems a matter of feeling, papa, and I don't think we ought to battle against it, for it is very likely she would be unhappy if we persuaded her. Let it turn out as it would. Instead of answering, Sir Matthew suddenly wheeled round, and looked out of the window, as if the bit of stony mould extending ten feet deep to the ditch that fenced it contained something of peculiar interest and curiosity. During this interval, which lasted about a minute, the widow Armstrong again fixed her eyes upon the face of Martha, with an appealing look that seemed to implore assistance from her judgment, while it evidently expressed confidence in her kindness. When Sir Matthew again permitted his countenance to be visible to them, it expressed nothing but indifference. But Martha thought it was such an easy good-natured sort of indifference that there could be no danger in bringing him back to the subject, even though he said as he turned round, "'Come, my dear Martha,' I cannot stay another moment, I do assure you. I am quite ready, papa, she replied. But don't you think it is almost a pity to let such an opportunity be lost for poor Michael? Certainly it is, my dear, he replied in the most good-humoured accent imaginable. But what would you have me do, my dear child? Depend upon it, there is no real charity in assisting people against their will, or in a manner in any way contrary to their inclinations. You know perfectly well that it was my real and sincere wish that this good woman's child should be well provided for. An opportunity for doing this, better far than I could have hoped for, is now proposed, but evidently does not meet her wishes. Unfortunately, I must send the answer by today's post, and surely you would not recommend me to accept this situation for the boy, excellent as it is, against his mother's will. No, papa. Only it seems to me that Mrs. Armstrong has not quite made up her mind about it and I thought, perhaps, that a few minutes' consideration might enable her to perceive how great a loss it would be to Michael were she to refuse it. "'Well, Martha,' returned the knight with a sort of jocose sigh, and at the same time seating himself on one of the widow's treasured rush-bottomed chairs, "'I would rather make the person I expect wait at Dowling Lodge for an hour than either disappoint your kind heart or hurry this good woman into saying anything that she does not really mean.' what does the little fellow himself say about it he's grateful and thankful sir for what is offered to him and willing he is to accept it tis only my poor weak sick heart that has got no courage left in it you think miss he had better take it she added turning her anxious eyes upon martha for a moment martha felt a repugnance to the taking upon herself as it were the responsibility of the transaction but an exclamation from her father settled the business at once poor soul said he how natural is this weakness give her by your advice the strength she wants martha it is the most valuable gift you can bestow indeed papa is very right mrs armstrong said martha cheerfully michael will never forgive me if i let you throw away this golden opportunity and i am sure i should never forgive myself if i threw away for him anything that you could call so my dear young lady i know full well all you have done for him and been to him and to doubt your judgment would be a sin indeed. So, if you please, miss, I am quite ready to sign. 
had sir matthew dowling wanted any strengthening of the motives which actuated the deed he was about to perpetrate he would have found it in this speech the phrase i know what you have been to him requiring no very forced interpretation in order to suggest to him that it was probable she knew what he had been to him also however he felt no inclination to disturb the business which was proceeding so satisfactorily and therefore again smiled very kindly as he said i am sure nobody can find fault with your conduct in this business mrs armstrong it has been exactly what it ought to be and the better i think of you the more anxious i feel to ensure this excellent situation for your boy but stay a moment i came down here in such a hurry that i forgot the necessity of having a witness wait here for a moment martha and i dare say i shall find some of mrs armstrong's neighbours who may not only be able to witness these indentures but also to give her their opinion upon the advantage of them so saying the knight arose and walked out of the room but before an anxious inquiry from the poor woman about the possibility of writing to her boy could be answered by martha he returned again followed by parsons and another overlooker from one of his own factories whom he found accidentally close to the premises here is a bit of good luck for us martha said sir matthew as he entered i should have been sadly put to it for time if i had had to run around till i could find a man who knew how to write his name i have asked two fellows already but they both said no there is one comfort for you at any rate mrs armstrong your boy will never be in such a state of ignorance as that sir matthew as he spoke again untied the paper and dipping a pen which had been stuck within his coat-sleeve into the ink-bottle he gave both pen and paper into the hands of martha saying there dear you will hold it for her better than i shall only make haste i hate to break an appointment martha received the paper and without a moment's delay laid it before the pale and trembling woman placing at the same time the pen in her right hand and indicating with her own finger the place to which sir matthew had pointed as that where her signature should be the poor woman received both submissively and after a moment's pause looked up once more into the face of martha who was bending over her a kind and encouraging smile sat upon her plain but expressive features and without further hesitation the widow armstrong signed her name here parson sign away said sir matthew gaily as he withdrew the document from the bed the ready servant obeyed and his fellow-driver followed his example without waiting for any further instructions now then martha let us be off cried the knight moving towards the door as he pocketed the papers but stopping suddenly before he opened it he said by the way parsons as chance has brought you here we may as well make use of you about getting a few necessaries for our little stocking weaver we must trust to you to get whatever may be wanted he may take the clothes he has worn at the lodge for sundays but of course they would not be suitable for him to work in very well sir matthew i will see about it replied the important overlooker i must have no time lost if you please rejoined his master rather sharply for mr elgood sharpton mentioned in his letter that he should be having some of his people passing this way who might take charge of him and i am sure i can't say when they may happen to call so go directly into the town parsons and buy whatever you think the boy may want i dare say this will be very nearly the last expense mrs armstrong he added that i shall be put to for him and i assure you that i shall pay it very willingly with these words he left the room and martha pronouncing a short but kind farewell followed him soon after she had overtaken him and again passed her arm through his she was startled by a violent burst of laughter and on looking back perceived at no great distance behind them 
parsons and his companion taking their way over a stile that led by a short cut to brookford factory it was from them the hearty laugh had proceeded End of chapter 15